Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey, welcome friends. Uh, it is good to gather today. I am Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And uh, we are here in, in three spaces. Uh, actually, there's a fourth we'll get to, but Zoom, welcome, Zoom. Uh, if everyone could w w wave at the Zoom people, there's a camera over here that's looking at you. We like Zoom, yeah. Glad you guys are with us today. We're here in person, inside, and we have our fancy balcony seating, or well, I don't know what we call it, but something out there. Um, where people actually get to look in. And so that's really great. We're glad you guys are with us today as well. So, and there today, there's a special fourth space I want to mention uh, that we gather. And it's not really us, but it kind of is. Uh, we as a church have launched a new church and it's in Orange County and it begins in about 15 minutes. So, so yeah, we can give it up for that. So it's called Safe Harbor Church of Orange County, uh, and it is co-pastored by Donna Birkeland and Gabe Francis, and uh, it's just super exciting that we get to be a part of that. We get to launch them. Donna, in particular, she's a pastoral intern here and then a church planting resident, and now she and Gabe, who's been involved here for a couple of years, are, are beginning like a church from scratch. It's crazy. So very fun. Uh, that that's today as well. Um, so we are going to pray over our kiddos because we think kids are amazing. So I'd like to invite Charmaine up to, if you would welcome Charmaine Sumner. She prays over our kids. Thanks so much, Charmaine. Uh, let's pray. Dear God, thanks so much for our kids. Um, we, may you just bless their time at Kidsmen and bless their week. And thank you that they just love others so well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kiddos, if you want to go with Charmaine and the other fearless leaders, they are heading out and we'll have a grand time. So, and uh, if you'd like to welcome my fearless co pastor, Brenna Rubio. Hi, guys. Good morning to everyone. Zoom and the patio. Patio is what we call it. Oh, it's a patio. It's a patio. I knew there was a word for it. Yes. Yes. That's the word. Um, yeah. It's so good to be here with everyone this morning. Uh, we are starting a new little three Sunday kind of series this morning called How to Throw a Good Party, the Most Neglected Spiritual Practice. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. I'm hearing some woo. Yeah. I don't know how many of us have ever thought of throwing parties as a spiritual practice before. I'm seeing some nods. Some of you knew this. Some of you always knew that throwing parties was an important spiritual practice. And for some of us, it brings up some questions. Maybe because the kind of parties that you have in your head, you know, like maybe the kind that you went to in college or at other periods in your life, and you're just like, I'm not sure how spiritual that was. Um, <laughs> there are some things that you kind of wonder about those parties. Um, it could bring up those sorts of questions. It could bring up questions for some of us, like, like it's actually a little bit it could seem a little ironic to some folks that I'm actually the one who suggested this little series. Um, I and give I'm it the up one. for Brenna Rubio, right? 
the non-party person. Wait, no, the small the, party. The quiet the pastor, quiet. the quiet pastor, right? Yeah. Because the reality is, like, when I get invited to the majority parties, I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Eek. <laughs> Right? Like that in me, there's this little like, I actually have to go through this process. Like, can I? What do I like? Where's my social battery going to be at? Like at that particular, uh, how does that work? Um, that's the kind of when I hear the word party, there's actually a little piece of me that reacts that way. And so just to kick it off a little bit to talk a little bit about both of those things. Let's define a little bit how we're thinking about the word party in this context. One thing to say is that if you are wired more like me, a little bit more quiet, introverted, um, I'm actually thinking particularly about some conversations I've had over the last couple of weeks with some neurodivergent folks like me, some autistic folks um, who, man, the idea if, if party means like 50 to 100 people, loud music, all the sensory, everything, woo! No, you know, like that just doesn't work unless there's a quiet spot in the kitchen, we can find something to chop, right? Like that's the only way that works. So that is not necessarily what party means, right? And for those of you who are thinking, yeah, does party mean kegger, right? Does party mean blacking out? Well, no, we're not talking about party like that necessarily either, right? When we think about parties, we're talking about what about those spaces where we come together intentionally with people to connect. There is something deeply spiritual about that, whether it's 50 to 100 people, well, maybe it's not 50, 100 in your backyard, but you know, however many fit in Bill's backyard. 100. Okay, 100, <laughs> eating pie or a potluck dinner, or if it's what might happen in my living room sometimes is three or four women with like a bag of Trader Joe's cookies, right? Or, or it's your connection on Discord, right? I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Um, whatever it is, right? It's, it's the people who've realized that Zoom is actually a way that they connect really well with folks. Like it's these intentional spaces where we gather because people matter relationships matter we were actually born made created for connection with other people and that is dear, deeply spiritual this kind of connectedness is something that the bible calls shalom this sense of being in right and rich relationship with other people with ourselves with god with the whole world with nature this is this picture of shalom lisa sharon harper who's this amazing writer, thinker, um, spiritual leader, talking about Shalom says that God created the world in a web of relationships that overflowed with forceful goodness. And so when we think about parties, that's what we're talking about. These spaces that we say, hey, we're gonna intentionally come together and connect because we were made to be in relationships that overflow with forceful goodness. And we see a Jesus who did that all the time. So over the next couple of weeks, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna actually look at some of the parties that Jesus went to, Jesus hosted, um, and say, what does it look like? How do we throw good parties as spiritual practice? Because the holidays are coming. Also, most of us, you know, whether you're the loud type or the quiet type, the parties are coming, the intentional connections. How are we gonna do it well? How are we going to lean in? So I think our friend Jenna Leland is going to read scripture for us this morning. Would you welcome Jenna with me? Whoop, whoop. Woo, woo. 
Thank you, Jenna. And typically we stand yeah. at City Church in honor of God so and God's word. You. Thanks, Jenna. John 2, 1 through 11. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. The host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, you may Jenna. be seated. Thanks, Jenna. It's a great passage, right? Where Jesus uh, turns the water into wine, like 150 gallons of it, into good wine, the best wine they've had. I mean, it's just super fun. Uh, and there's there's so much stuff we could do with this passage. Um, so my, so many fun things. But we're gonna we're gonna be focused. We're gonna at least try. Ish. Ish. <laughs> Um, Brenda's going to be focused, which at least half of us then will be focused. Um, I want to start just with this idea about God valuing parties. So Brenda sort of introduced us to this idea of gatherings and that great Lisa Sharon Harper quote about um, the, the forceful goodness of the web of relationships that is shalom, that is peace that is what god created it strikes me that so often we walk through the world into our different gatherings unaware mm. that it's holy ground that these are sacred events jesus shows up at a wedding I, that's all I want to just talk about that just for a second. I mean, there's plenty of other things we could say, but yeah, there's the fun miracles and there's the servants, this and the, that and the other, whatever. Jesus went to a wedding with his friends. It was a local wedding. It was probably poor folks, right? They ran out of wine. They didn't have a lot. He went and do you, do you see, did you, did you pick up the agenda that Jesus went to the wedding with? Was he planning on doing a miracle? Nope. No, his mom had to kind of conjole him into it. Jesus went to the wedding because weddings are fun. And, and maybe his friends were getting married. And he wanted to see, like, you know, his old, you know, synagogue teacher right and connect with family and friends and laugh and drink wine and be in community 
as Christians, we have this crazy belief that, that Jesus is God in the flesh. Mm. So God shows up at a wedding with no agenda, Just not to make a miracle, not to reveal this or teach that or heal over here. Just to be at a wedding. Just to be with friends and to celebrate. Because again, that is holy ground. It is sacred space. And I wonder if the, the biggest thing that we could walk out of here with today into this season is with new eyes to see. Mm. That every gathering is sacred. That God goes before us there. That God loves your baby showers. God loves baby showers. Totally shows up without an agenda. Just to have fun and play pin the tail on the what? On the diaper. You've been to a lot of baby showers, Bill. <laughs> I've been to a couple. <laughs> Maybe you play one. You've a lot of pin the tail on the donkey at those. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Believe you. <laughs> I went to one once. Maybe for my own kid. Last century. Um, but it, it's your it's your girls' night out. It's your um, fantasy football drafting night. Th these are the moments that matter when, and as people gather to love and connect, to celebrate, or to sorrow, to grieve. Right, to remember. Sacred space. These are sacred times. Um, I reached out to a couple of friends of mine to, to ask about what gatherings have been sacred space for them recently. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of texts. So this is from a, from a guy. Actually, I'm, this is, this is, I'm wearing his shirt. This is the, the band name is uh, the Lost and Found Workshop. Nice. It's our buddy Ruben. Ruben, good to see you, dude. Uh, he's on Zoom, I think. But uh, he says he, he's finding God in his concerts. He's got a little band. They're playing in a local bar here in Long Beach on Anaheim on Wednesday night. He said, I used to rely on drugs and alcohol to show face. Then I would make, my, make a fool of myself on stage, never remembering the show or truly being present for performance. I'm pretty... I'm pretty sure I even downed some whiskey before playing at church to get through it. Remember when we played with you guys? Yeah, I remember that. Yep, it's great. Yeah, Greg remembers as well. Um, today, God's given me peace. That's that word shalom that mm -hmm. I refer to. Being able to be present on stage, I see people. I hear the music. I can actually feel what's happening and take it all in. Then I can walk off stage and truly connect with people. My drummer said at the first show, let's pray and ask God we don't mess up. And I responded, maybe let's just thank God that we get to mess up. That we get to do this right here, right now. Mm. It's a sacred gathering. This little pickup band that meets in tiny little bars around Long Beach. 
Here's another one from another friend. I said, you know, have there been some sacred gatherings for you? He just welcomed a stranger into his home. The stranger is his third son who was born a week ago. Talked about how the other boys want to nonstop cuddle and kiss him. They, they created this, this special gathering for the two older boys to meet their new brother. Mm. Right? And he says, it makes me think of my brother and frankly, Bill, your brothers. Um, like this is adoration. This is what adoration of another looks like before all the bad stuff of life gets in the way. And how do we show up for our brothers and friends with the same intense love and care? Because life's a gift, and we seem to have crystal clarity around that when it's new or at the end of one's life. Mm -hmm. But my sons remind me to relish in the moments I have with humans I get to interact with each day. So there's this little gathering. There are five of them in a family. It's a party. Mm. Here's your brother. And it's, it's just overflowing with, what was Lisa Sharon Harper's phrase? Forceful goodness. Forceful goodness. Right? And it's carrying him through the rest of his week. This is, this is what these sacred gatherings are all about. I talked to a friend this week who uh, teaches college and asked him, like, are there, have there been a, has there been a sacred gathering this week for you where you've, where you've met God? And he says, he says, well, does class count? I said, why not? Tell me about it. He says, it's amazing. For 90 minutes, everyone sets aside their phone and they lean in and there have been these moments where everyone's talking. They don't know each other outside of class and it's all walks of life. You know, the football players with the, with the nerd and this person, you know, all these different and we engage around these topics that are interesting and important and are changing us. Man, that is, that's a good party. That's where Jesus is showing up. Jesus is at work. Jesus is, is here in our midst, in our gatherings. And if we, I mean, we can look at all the details of this passage, but if we miss the fact that Jesus showed up at a wedding just to be there, then we've, we've missed the whole point. Yeah, the risk sometimes with co-preaching is that one person says something, I'm just like, are you sure we want to keep going with the sermon? Because um, really, like, honestly, like, that question that Bill asked others, like, I actually, let's, I just want to give you a quiet minute to think for yourself, because it was such a good one. Like, what was the question? Where have you experienced a gathering as sacred ground? recently where have you where have the connections been and what made it so good I, I, we're actually going to take 60 seconds or so um just take a minute and think i hope you'll find some place to talk about it after the service as well
When Bill suggested that we preach on this particular story, that we talk about it in this community space, what immediately flashed for me is that the last time I spent a lot of time looking at this story was actually in one of those sacred spaces. I had a group of women and we were getting together every couple of weeks and doing the kind of Bible study where it's just kind of like you really come into a story really fresh and just like ask all sorts of questions and your paper that you draw all over with markers and and there's just you're just really legitimate going like wow like what is going on here and nobody has all the answers we're just gonna like dive in and so you have to understand it's a group of women not all but many mothers and so we read this part of the story where jesus mother told him they have no more wine and Bill picked a really polite translation of this passage. It says, dear woman. Most of the passages say, woman. That's not our problem. Woo! So all of us just kind of go, excuse me? Like, you're picturing, you're picturing you talking to your own mother this way. You're picturing one of your kids talking to you this way, and it doesn't matter how old they are, right? And there's just this, this kind of gut reaction to Jesus saying, woman, that's not our problem. And so I just want to tell you, that's like I'm coming in this morning, like in, in the back of my mind, bringing in just the, the funniness and the joy and the humor of all of us getting to say like, ooh, Jesus, what are you doing? Um, and having that just be that that honest coming around the text together. Let's notice that Mary and Jesus are not the hosts in this story. I mean, when you, when you hear initially, it's like how to throw a good party. Does that sound to you like the job of the hosts? Right, the hosts are the ones thinking about like, okay, how am I gonna feed all these people? And how do I prep the space? And how do I do this? And how do I do that? And, and I actually kind of like that our first story we're talking about a party where Jesus was not actually in charge. Jesus is a guest. Mary is a guest. And yet, they're having this like really intense interaction with each other over what does it look like for us to be good guests? Because good guests are actually involved. Like good parties actually depend on good guests. Right? Like you can do all the prep work as a host. And if everybody comes in and like Bill's saying, like they're just on their phones the whole time, right? They go and they sit in a corner and they don't interact. They don't bring anything. They don't, they just don't show up. Your party's still not gonna be a very good party, right? When we come into parties as guests, we're actually meant to be involved. We actually have to decide how we're gonna show up in a particular space. And, and what we see is that Mary, Mary shows up, right? She sees a need and it doesn't matter who her son is and how old he is. Like she's gonna go and she's gonna say, hey, Jesus, this is how we help. There's a need and I see a way that you can, you can fix it. I know who you are. I know what you can do. Let's go, right? she shows up there's a, a phrase some people say it's stepping out from behind yourself like there's a sense that she's just she's not shrinking she knows how she and jesus can contribute and so she presses in and she makes she makes the ask it's actually not hers to give but she's gonna she's gonna bring her opinion okay so jesus resists at first right 
And that's a really interesting thing. And we could, we could spend a lot of time on the why, like why he resists. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of possibilities. He actually hasn't gone public yet, right? This is actually at the very beginning of his ministry. He's never done a miracle out in public before. Um, even when he starts becoming more known and he's really, he's out there in the public eye more. As we talked about last week, he doesn't really want to be known for his signs. Like he, there are all sorts of places where he does a miracle and then he says, shh, don't tell anyone. It's really interesting, right? Like he, he actually doesn't want that kind of attention. So there could be all sorts of reasons that he says no. And Mary, of course, you know, is kind of like, eh, we'll see, you know, <laughs> tells the servant, hey, whatever he tells you, you do. You know, she's kind of holding out hope. I actually want to say, I love the story as is that Jesus changes his mind and Jesus kind of thinks it through and says, you know, I think I can actually do something. I can help here. That's a good story, right? That that's something we can do as guests. We can change our mind. We can be like, oh, I'm not sure and think about it and then say, oh, maybe I'll take a risk and I'll step out. I can contribute that. I could actually imagine this being a really good story if Jesus had stuck with it and said, no, it's really not the time. And I don't know why, but I feel like we actually need to acknowledge that as a community. That this could have been a good story if Jesus had stuck with it and said, no, you know, it's a good party already, mom. You know, and this, is, this actually isn't for me to do. Isn't there something about kind of saying, like, we get to decide. Like, that this isn't just that I don't have to show up at a party committed to being the life of the party because that is not going to work. Right? Bill maybe could do that. There are others of you who, when you show up at a party, you know that like you contributing what you have to contribute means you're going to be telling all sorts of funny stories, right? You're going to be telling jokes. You're going to be, others of you know that for you showing up and contributing what you have to give to be a good guest, you're going to bring some amazing food. And it would just be ridiculous for the host to tell you not to, because everybody wants that special dish that you're going to make, right? For me, I need to know that like, yeah, I may or may not have time to cook. And if it's okay, if I just go to the grocery store and pick up some chips and a bottle of soda, right, to bring to the party, that's gonna be okay if that's what I have to contribute. And I am absolutely not gonna be telling the jokes, right? I need to know that I have freedom to say like, anybody who thinks I'm gonna do that, no, not who I am. But on the other hand, <laughs> I have all sorts of situations where like people come and tell me, hey, so-and-so is coming and they're really shy and we're a little loud for them so i told them you would be a safe spot i would be a safe person for the quiet person the shy person to come talk to i feel really known in those situations i'm like you're right like that's what i'm going to bring to the party is those quiet moments that i'm going to bring to people where i'm going to like connect and really just like focus in no one's ever said that to me no <laughs> So I want you to know, you get to bring what you're going to bring to the party. What do they need? What do I have to actually offer? Both of those things matter when you're thinking about being an active guest. Jesus decided, yeah, actually, mom's right. I do have this to offer. Moms are often right. <laughs> Sometimes sermons are a little bit self-serving. <laughs> she looks over at her children. Say, 
you know, I'm not looking over there where my family is. <laughs> um, so just one more reflection from me on this passage. Um, I just want to think a little bit about um, talking about partying and gathering and celebrating uh, being together, these sacred spaces um, and being a good guest in them. Uh, we need to pause and remember that this is not, uh, we're, we're not doing this to ignore the difficulties of life, mm -hmm. right? The suffering in the world, the pain, um, the injustices, that if, if we're going to um, party well, gather well, we have to acknowledge the real pain and loss that is in our world. Uh, you, you get the sense that Jesus here, I mean, it, these gatherings of, of folks in first century Palestine, uh, in some ways they were, they were protests against the Roman occupiers. They're like, we are still going to gather and find joy and connection that you don't get to, even though militarily you dominate us, we actually are still human and have the capacity for joy and sorrow and get to choose into joy, even in this situation, even in, in the midst of injustice. And some of the folks who've been out there doing some stuff, we, we talked this summer, we did a series on rest, and I think it was Dottie who preached about rest as resistance. Mm -hmm. In some ways, parties are protests. Mm -hmm. They're saying, I will not let the weight of the world drive out all of my joy. Mm -hmm. And there's a... a a theologian, we've read, a few of us have read some around here. Her name is Ada Maria Isasi Diaz. She's really the kind of the pioneer of Mujerista theology, which is um, kind of feminist theology from a Latinx perspective. And in her kind of main book, she spends a whole chapter talking about fiesta. And she's talking about the, the, the working poor, primarily in Cuba, a little bit uh, in, I think, Colombia. But, but she writes this and she says, um, what our fiestas suggest is that parties and celebrations are needed in order for Latinas to deal in a creative way with the suffering that surrounds us instead of allowing it to define us. I just sense that there's there's something important in there because many of us right now going into the holiday season, there's sorrow and loss that we're facing, right? And to still find meaning in celebration is super valuable. But many of us here face all kinds of injustices in our world. And some of us are going to feel that more acutely in, in a week coming up like this week, where we'll sense that, oh my gosh, this is not, our country's not going the way 
I want, I, I sense that I may be pushed out or I'm not included. Um, and there's structures that, that put that on us as well as just the normal losses of being human. Jesus still goes to the wedding. He still makes 150 gallons of wine, really good wine, because there are times to celebrate. And some of those celebrations are at funerals, and that's okay too. And some of them are just that birthday party that you have anyway, even in the midst of difficulties. So for me personally, uh, many of you know, my mom went on hospice uh, a week ago um, from, she has the lung cancer and it's very advanced. And this week, uh, some, some friends gathered and uh, they, they call themselves the Mad Hatters and they rented, I think, three golf carts <laughs> and they snuck my mom out and took her whizzing through the regional park nearby. <laughs> And she had the best time. <laughs> it was fantastic. Hmm. And I think last Sunday, so last Sunday I wasn't here. I was with her and my brothers. And when you said, you know, stop for 60 seconds, I, I just immediately thought of, like, here we are. There are four of us. It's not, a, it's not a big group. And we had a very simple lunch. And mom didn't eat a lot. But man, we told some funny stories. <laughs> some like inappropriate stories about <laughs> caskets shopping for my dad. We were dying laughing. It was terrible, but it was so great. <laughs> but it was this sacred moment, right? And death is knocking at the door. Mm. And, and we will face that. And I need to face that. And injustice is facing so many of us and economic pressures, right? Of course. And yet Jesus still goes to a party and invites you to do the same. Mm. Oh, so good. Right, let me, I'm going to say one yeah. more little thing. And I wonder if part of what Jesus is thinking about when, when his mother leans in on him to, to do this is he knows, like as soon as he does one miracle, it's over. Mm -hmm. they, they, they won't let him out again. They'll put him in this box, and he'll be the miracle maker and all the healings, and, and he knows where that ends. Yeah. He knows that the forces of empire are going to crush him because mm -hmm. he's going to be proclaiming freedom for the captive. And I wonder part of him being at that wedding is saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I'm going to sip of this cup of, of the suffering that is to come. Mm. So that all my friends here, they could sip of a cup that is a foretaste of that eternal party that will never stop. And that they could enjoy some of that goodness now. It's not without awareness of real suffering that Jesus enters into this event. So, sorry, I just no. want to add that. No, it's so good. That reality that you can't fully celebrate without being willing 
the openness that allows us to celebrate is also the openness that invites in suffering. Yeah. I'm pulling one last thread in this passage this morning. You can tell this is not like this clean, like, you know, building upon it. So we're just pulling some threads. We're wondering out loud with you this morning about this passage. Here's one of the things I notice and I wonder about, about how Jesus came in as a guest. Yes, active, but also a little restrained. Did you notice who gets the credit for the amazing wine at the end of the story? It's not Jesus, right? It's the bridegroom who the master of ceremonies calls over and says, wow, you've done it backwards. The most amazing wine, so much of it that flows at the end. Wow. It's the host who gets the credit. And it just brings up for me the sense that I don't know that we're always formed, particularly in American churches, in white evangelicalism, which some of us have had experience with uh, in our, our spiritual backgrounds. I don't know that we're formed to be great guests, to be people who can just show up and kind of go with the flow and, and make sure that, that any of the things that we do are things that really help our host, right? That don't put the spotlight on us, but really just build into the community. So a story that uh, it reminds me of, some of you may have heard me share this before, but way back when uh, Israel, my husband and I, um, did some work with college students. And so there was a summer that we went down with a big group of college students to help out uh, a college ministry at UNAM, one of the largest universities in the world in Mexico City. And we were staying in this place in uh, this kind of ministry center. And another woman who was there who worked with another ministry group, amazing, it's called Amextra. They did all sorts of incredible work. Um, microfinance and education and it was it was a ministry that was led by locals in the mexico city area well they invited us to come out and to to be their guests to take a tour and listen to a talk about the work that they were doing just learn about it and because we'd said yes we got to go enjoy all of that this amazing i mean i just it was eye-opening for me like i don't i think again this is way back when i don't know that i'd heard about microfinance yet before that day learning about god as a campesino and all sorts of just amazing stuff and then they fed us this delicious lunch of pollo and it was just delicious it was amazing and afterwards the woman who had invited us came to talk to Israel and I, and um, she was about to start crying. And she said, you know, you're not the first group with American college kids who's come down here who I've made this offer to. And we're like, uh-huh, you know, trying to understand. Like, she's like, you're the first ones who said yes. Because every time I've offered before, they've said, oh, no, 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 no. Like, what can we do to serve you? And we'll bring you peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? Like, <laughs> And we'll feed everybody. And like, they didn't want to just go and be a guest, right? There's a sense of we're the Americans. We'll go in and we'll, woof, I mean, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yuck! I like a good PB&J. Don't get me wrong. 
I'm just saying. And I guess I just wonder if that wasn't, couldn't have been part of what Jesus was thinking as he sat there. If that wasn't part of what he had to sort through when Mary came and said, how about you provide some more wine? Is maybe, he, maybe he was sitting there going, mom, this is a good party. Mom, I, I appreciate what my hosts have to offer. Mom, I don't want to take over, right? What if that was some of what he had to work through was how do I do this? in a way that's honoring that is is still showing that it's not about me and it's not that what you have had to provide wasn't enough no he does right and it's full-hearted it's amazing this incredible picture of god's abundance but the credit goes to the host he was so careful in how he did it to make sure that it honored and built up those who were hosting and and so it's just another of those pieces, right? That we think about how do we, how are we active as a guest in a way that supports the community, that builds the relationships, that it's, it's partnership. It's not taking over. It's not implying subtly or not so subtly that, hey, you know, I'm the one with the money, so I'll come in and bring, you know, like the big expensive dish or, or whatever it is, right? How do we show up in a way that is just, man, I am so honored to be here and I want to support you as you provide this place for people to connect. That seems to be the invitation as we lean into this whole series about parties is just whether we're a guest, whether we're a host, how are we taking our part in the web in a way that builds people up, invites them in, and we get to enjoy playing our role as well. Any last thoughts, Bill?